First Peter, the fifth chapter, verse 8 through 11. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Apostle Peter's instructions on resisting Satan. Down to earth, instructions for us to overcome him, be victorious. He says the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth about seeking whom he may devour. We read in the scriptures that Satan takes other forms also. Sometimes as angels of light. If we met a roaring lion in the way, a literal animal that we could see and recognize, and hear his roar with our natural ear, we would know danger is coming. We'd know to watch out. If we see some false prophet down the line somewhere, if he would only wear a button across the front or maybe a big banner and say across our false prophet, that would help a lot. If the powers of hell in the world were only labeled for what they really are, we wouldn't be in such jeopardy. But that's not the way it is. He is not only a roaring lion. I heard a man one time preaching. Really what he was talking about mainly was the fact that someone had been writing anonymous letters to him. And he said that if Satan comes out in the open to let me know what he's got to say, get it over with, then I'll know exactly what he said. Or if I had to die in some mortal struggle with some great beast of the forest or some great man of war would attack me and all of a sudden I would die in my tracks, he said I would at least feel that I had been courageous in trying and I had, had been as bad and as brave as I knew how and I would know what happened. He said that would not disgrace me. But he said, oh, the thing I'm afraid of is I'm going to be nibbled to death by mice. And then he went ahead to say what an awful death that would be, to be nibbled to death by mice. It doesn't make much difference if it's a little mouse or a fierce lion, a roaring lion, a false prophet, smooth-tongued orator, whatever it might be. Peter tells us to be sober and vigilant goes ahead to say, for the devil as a roaring lion, lion goes about seeing who may, may devour. I think he was saying more than watch out for lions. 
Or why would he say, be sober? I think a raging lion would sober us in a moment. We wouldn't laugh to see some great danger that was right before us. We would be sober without Peter telling us. He says, be vigilant too. Watch out. Beware. Listen. Look. Use your head. Reason this thing through. There's danger abroad in the land. Satan is loose. The powers of hell are out there. And there's a warfare on. So don't just be afraid of lions. Remember, Satan is the enemy. He's going about seeking whom he may devour in more ways than one. That being the case, and it is, and we can't stop Satan because he has been resisting the work of God and resisting people's determination to serve God from the time of the Garden of Eden. And he will be until he's bound for a thousand years and cast into darkness to be bound there for a thousand years. Then we'll have peace. Then we'll have tranquility. It'll be a different place to live then. You won't need to tell anybody if you're a false prophet, put a sign on. Because Satan will be out of business for a while at least. And after a thousand years is over, he'll be loose for a short season. But oh, we're looking beyond even that. We're looking beyond a, a battle now of an hour or a week or a month. Are we looking further than a, a 1,000 year reprieve? Out beyond that, we're looking when Satan will be bound and cast into hell. It'll all be over then. So then we want to resist him, lest he take us along with him. Satan does a lot of things that God gets blamed for. That's true. How else could false prophets think that they have the blessing of God upon their life? How could they give themselves in such a way to spend their lives and burn themselves out? Sometimes literally die a premature death just because they work themselves so hard. They think they're right. They are sure they are as far as their reason is concerned. And the, But the truth is they are as dead wrong as Satan is who caused them to think that way. They are his emissaries and his work they will do. They can't help themselves. His work they will do. If a man receive not a love for the truth, he be given over to delusion, he'll believe a lie and be damned. Believe the lie and preach it and go to his grave thinking he's right. But if he speak not according to the words of this prophecy, of this book, we are told in the Bible not to even receive them in our house nor bid them God's speed if they don't measure their lives by the word and aren't living what they preach, aren't proving by their lives every day that they are literally God's servants and God's people, then beware of them. How are you going to tell them? By their fruits ye shall know them. You can tell by their preaching if you hear them on the radio. If you listen very long, unless they get to you first. You can find out after a while, unless you swallow their bait before they get around to telling you why they want to hook you. Some publishing houses publish papers 
magazines, books, and even send salesmen door to door to sell children's Bible books and things of this nature without ever even saying in the book who publishes it. And the people who buy their publications would have no inkling that after they learned a little and get, then get the next book and then learn some more, and they're very well written, very professionally produced, very beautiful and very good as far as their makeup is concerned. But there's a reason for this. This is bait to get you to swallow their doctrine later on. Because if you've been eating out of their trough for a long time, if you get a little poison after a while, you may never know it. But if you're poisoned, you're poisoned. If you're hooked, you're hooked. If you are bit by the venom of that false deception, you are bitten by it, whether it be this one I'm referring to or not. You have to keep a watch at your heart, lest the devil deceive you and cause you to think you are right when you're wrong. Or make you think black is white or white is black. Satan is going around seeking whom he may devour. And if you haven't heard him roar yet, like a roaring lion, well, beware anyway. He might just get to you with some slick, easy talk to persuade you some easy way that there's an easier way for you. Or that the gospel isn't real. Or that the preachers are all crooks. Or everybody's backslidden or something like that. But the devil is never going to encourage you in the faith, but he'll tear you down. People of a like mind, like spirit, people who are one in doctrine and in practice and in discipline, love each other and will do anything in the world to help each other, and they're not in the least bit concerned about sacrificing of themselves to help others. They love each other. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, the word says, because you have love one for another. Then we should love each other. Because we want the people to, of the world to believe that we are Christ's disciples. Then if we love each other, we will give ourselves for each other. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid on his life for his friend. But Jesus Christ loved us more than that, even to lay his life down for us when we were his enemy. When we were against him, stubborn, rebellious, and bitten by the serpent. But... We found mercy because we saw our need of being restored to the likeness of God and being saved from that. And the antidote to Satan's venom is a sacrifice Christ made on Calvary. So we want to avail ourselves of that and take of that, let the blood flow, that we might be free from it and then live a life of peace and peaceableness and love and all of that in the church and on the job and in your family and wherever you are. But if you have the venom that Satan has bitten you with, don't try to take an aspirin and feel better. That doesn't even help headaches all the time, they tell me. And it won't help a bit if we're dealing with something that's a disease of the heart. And that's where Satan's roosting place is. If he gets a doubt in your mind about the doctrines of the Bible, about one word in that Bible, he has gotten you. If you can just begin to doubt a little... You are beginning at the very same place that Adam and Eve began. When Satan said to them, Hath God said, In the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die? Then he said, He first said, Hath God said it? Put the question. Then he said, Ye shall not surely die. God doesn't mean what he said. Go ahead and eat. And they did. 
and by that plunge themselves into sin, and the whole human race has followed. And from that time on, Satan has been saying, go ahead and do it. It's all right. Go ahead and say it. Why don't you? Just as surely as if he had a, a forked tail and a pitchfork on his shoulder and set on your shoulder. Just as surely when you are tempted to do something wrong or say something wrong or be used of the devil, it's Satan tempting you to give in. But you must not. You must resist him. You must say, I will not. I will not give in. I will not. I resist the devil. If you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. If Satan tries to put a doubt in your mind about your brother, if Satan tries to put a doubt in your mind about your sister, the best way you can ward off such fiendish things is to say that as far as you're concerned, you're going to give your brother the benefit of every doubt, entertain no suggestions of his, and you're going to say nothing evil against him. You aren't going to lodge in your, let, let that lodge in your heart that you believe he's done something ever so terrible. You're going to leave that to those who has the responsibility for it. If they can't see it, God can enlighten them. And if they haven't, haven't done anything about it yet, they will if, they, if God makes it possible. And some things happen that none of us can straighten out. And, and when we, and that happens, we have to say, well, God knows how, and we can trust that he will. And we can pray and believe that as God has, is helping us and brought us this far, he's going to take us on through. Don't let the devil unsettle you. Don't let some emissary of his cast a doubt on your mind. I got a letter today. Came to the office. Was sent to my attention. Some, uh, someone had written a, to a religious broadcaster and had uh, asked him if he believed in sanctification as a second definite work of grace. And he wrote back a letter that was uh, answered the question very clearly as far as the answer to me was concerned, but he read it, wrote it very sly, in a very sly way, to cause the young man he wrote to to venture another step. So he underlined there, if you can prove it to me, I'll believe it. Sanctification. Then goes ahead and tells the young fellow, write to me again and, and prove it to me. Well, that's, that's just bait. That's all it is. He's an established, once in grace, always in grace preacher, and has been for years and years and years. And he doesn't even mean, uh, really, that, uh, that anybody can prove it to him. He only wants someone to write to him and send him one more dollar. It's exactly what he has in mind. And we have to warn such people when they ask us for counsel, and we have to spit the truth out to them and tell them that such stuff is absolutely dangerous and that this kind of bait that they give you to, to lead you on will do you no good whatsoever. It'll, it's only an enticement to draw you away. So don't let someone say, I almost believe in sanctification, or I almost believe in the baptism, or I almost believe it's okay to be baptized by immersion, or I, I'm about to believe in the Lord's Supper or foot washing. Don't say, let somebody tell you, I believe a bot like you do. Go to the Word of God and get the basis for your belief, and then stand for it. If it's a roaring lion out in the street yelling, or if it's someone just trying to plant a doubt in your mind about a doctrine or a person or anything of the kind, just say, get behind me, I'll resist you. And unless you do, you'll be taken in by it. Sin is a disease, all right. Sin is a disease, but it is one that's upon the whole human race, and not a disease of the body, 
as that medical science can touch by any means, that can't be improved upon by environment, can't be eradicated by education, nothing of the kind. It takes the practical application and a positive application of the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, to take care of it. And then it'll only stay settled as long as we humbly and willingly let ourselves stay settled. If we get all troubled and all unsettled and all out of sorts where we are, we are right and everybody else is wrong, well, it's one thing for sure that everybody isn't wrong. Everybody isn't unsettled. It might be us. So let's ask ourselves, is it the devil or could it be the Lord? God will show us a few things, too. And let's don't blame God for anything the devil says to us. But the Crabtree told me once, he said, God gets blamed for a lot more things than he has than he should be. People say, the Lord told me this. The Lord told me that. Uh, you, you, God does. But God always speaks in a, co- in a conformity with the Word and in agreement with the Word of God. He never gives you a license nor a leading nor says anything to you that will cause you to do one thing that would grieve the Spirit of God. Never did God speak and say you should do something that would be a grief to the Spirit of God. And that happens over and over again. Sure, people say, oh, God told me this and God told me that. Watch out. Satan is going around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we must set a watch at the door of our hearts and the door of our mouths and at, a, and at the door of our ears, every faculty we have. We must watch them, lest Satan attack us through them. If he can't get you through one, who will the other. Some people are uh, uh, led us away by one of their senses and others by others. But it doesn't make any difference which one it is. If you are led away of Satan, then you are led on the wrong track. But God wants you to be kept by the power of God. And God will keep all of them that are keepable. God will keep all of those who are keepable. And He will keep all of those who will be kept. That's what I mean. All of those who will be kept. But those who say, I will not, those who say, I know better, those who try to do it their own way, they will make shipwreck to be sure. But tonight, we have an encouragement from the Bible to resist him. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his, unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, settle, strength, uh, strength, uh, strengthen and settle you. It'll be an ordeal. We aren't saying resisting the devil is easy business nor pleasant pastime. No, it's, an, it's a warfare. But the warfare only goes on as long as Satan thinks he still has a chance to get you. If you resist him and resist him and give no quarter, give no encouragement, give him no traffic, listen to nothing he says, just resist all of that he can't get a wedge in there because the blood covers you. But unless you resist him, he'll get a wedge in. Then you'll begin to tumble and you'll begin to be affected by it. So just don't let him unsettle you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is the power of God than the power of the devil. We need not fail. We need not give in. We need never stumble. Now be overcome of him. If we resist him and plead the blood, we'll have the victory. But thanks be to God for the great privilege we have to win these battles and prove that what Peter taught these people 
and through this Bible teaches us is a very profitable and up-to-date and reasonable way for us to fight this battle. It's the only way. We only know how to resist the devil by with the way the Bible tells us. Here we are. Resist him. To him. To God be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Other words, a battle will come like a roaring lion. And we'll have this process resisting him steadfast in the faith. But then we remember, God has called us. God has settled it. God has told, called us into the gospel. And he's taken out that thing that causes harm in the first place. He's taken out the hatred, the envy, jealousy, and all of that. He's given us a new heart. So after Satan says you haven't got it, after Satan tries to defile your testimony, you resist him. And then you remember, God has called me. God has helped me. And he will establish, and he will settle, he will strengthen me. And then after that determination is felt in our hearts, then we can say, to him be the glory forever and ever. And we can say, amen. And that settles it. Amen. When we say amen, we say, even let it be so. Even so be it. Let God's name be glorified. Let the powers of God be our, our part. Let the victory he wants to give us be ours. So tonight, if you felt some darts of the enemy coming at you of late, if you've had some trials along the way, these aren't something strange just to you. There's no temptation overtaken you but what's common to man. You may have been longer in the slew of despond, and you might have been entangled in it more than someone else has been. Maybe it takes you longer to learn your lesson. But if it does, well, thank God when you get out, you can say, I'm glad that the Lord has brought me through with a victory. And if you keep your eyes on the Lord, you'll get through. But if you get them off the Lord, listen to what he says. Just start listening to insinuations or something the devil will put in your ear, and it might come from anywhere. It might come from the radio. It might come from your neighbor. Who knows? Or it might come from a preacher. But nevertheless, when you come up against something that you must judge, then judge it by the word and plead the word and plead the blood to cover it, and you'll have the victory. Praise the Lord. Tonight we're going to close the meeting and have an altar service, a chance to pray again around the altar. And here's where the battles are fought and won. Here's where people that have the, the, the battle raging, they can get down and by consecration and heart searching before God. They get on the rock and they, they find out I'm there. They say, my feet stand upon the foundation. Uh, my feet are on the rock. So if you have any doubts about that, pray your way through. If things have been perplexing you, overwhelming you, just get along and pray your way through. Pray through and it's all settled. God will settle it. God will settle it. There won't be any ifs, ands, buts, and maybes. It won't be anybody else's fault. You won't be blaming someone else. You can just settle it. It'll be there. You'll know it's true. It's proved before. It'll prove true tonight. If we can believe that, we aren't going to lose the ground we gained during the last week's revival meeting. We aren't going to listen to what Satan says and let him dis disturb us. We're going to just keep on keeping on and go ahead. Go upward. Let our roots go downward. Our faith look upward. And our step get a little faster as the time draws near the end. Because the Lord is coming soon. We want to be ready. We're going to close. Have an altar service again. We invite you. If you're here for the first time or been here all the time, we invite you to remain and pray if you would like to. God is hearing and answering prayer. And the Lord can answer your prayer tonight. And you'll know your prayer is answered. The altar is open for prayer. <laughs>